praise your name, Lord. We praise your name. We praise your name. We praise your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you have your Bibles for a few moments, turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter 6. Thank you, Brother Clyde T., for leading us in such a wonderful season of worship. I'm thankful that there is something that begins to move in here. It may take us a moment or two before we catch on, but everybody, I think if you have any kind of sense or feeling, know that the Lord has stepped into this place today. And I am eternally grateful that I don't want to come to church where that is not the case. I prayed last night, and I have to be honest with you, the first hour that I prayed was just a lot of frustration. And you know what? I don't think God heard one thing I said. I finally got to the point where I had a breakthrough. And I was able to get past my frustrations. And then we stepped into the presence of the Lord. And I think it's important that we remember that we cannot let our frustrations define us. And if I, if I let my frustrations define me, I'd twist off on some people sometimes. Some of you do that anyway, but I mean, you know me. It takes a lot to push me to the brink, but I get there every once in a while. I was there last night. Amen. And I'm I'm not saying that in any way disparaging to you as a church, but I am saying that I'm not sure we're hitting on all cylinders right now. And the only way I know to get that is to get the face and the carpet and seek God with all of our heart and all of our mind. And that's what I'm, I'm trying to do to myself. And I, I would just ask you to join me. If you feel like you're giving God your best right now, then good. I'm not asking you to do anything. But if in all honesty and truthfulness you could say, you know what, I can do better than this. I want you to join with me in prayer. Amen. Would you do that? Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. How many of you love sharing discoveries? That's what made Pinterest popular. It wasn't just another gossip column. But it's probably one of the largest sharing sites in the world. People find something good. They find something they like and they want to let everybody else know. Man, you need to experience this. I love that. If I find a good restaurant, that's why I've talked to some of you about going to certain places better than Taco Bell. Some people think McDonald's is the epitome of fine dining. And I'm not knocking not, talk, I'm not or McDonald's. I, I'm just saying that there's something a little better than that. And uh, if we'll just develop the taste and appetite for it, God will give it to us. I want to share with you.
something the Lord has shown me. And I, it's been very exciting. At the same time, it's been extremely challenging. Amen. Read with me Galatians chapter 6, verse number 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Verse number 10. Everybody got verse 10? And as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them that are of the household of faith. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. And so as we have opportunity, let us do good. I want to talk to you for a few moments about the key to your season. The key to your season. Say that with me. The key to my season. Not yours, but my season. Make it personal. The key to my season. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. I've said this before and I believe that It is worthy to be said again that I sincerely feel and believe that for the most part, we all desire the same things in life. Oh, we might want a little more money or a little better house or better job or whatever, but really the the real things that matter in life. I, I think everybody in this building wants that. I I don't know that I've ever met anybody in my life that told me I don't want happiness. I just love being miserable. I don't want any peace. I like torment. I'm not that old, but I'm a lot older than I used to be. And I've never, I've never run into anybody that really didn't want the same things for their family, for their life, for their future. They, we wanted to be blessed. Do you? Do you want your future to be better than your past? Maybe some of you've got it as good as you're going to get it, and that's all you need. But there's something inside of me that tells me that as good as God has been to me to this point in my life, it's only a drop in the bucket to what He wants to do for me in the future. We cherish dreams, better marriage, better job, better life. Better relationships. We, we, we all have that same internal desire. We want to live in God's favor. 
I want God to nod in my direction. I, I want him, when he gets ready to pass out his blessing, I want him to say, oh, I got to go by there first. Amen. I, I think we all feel that way. I want our church to grow. I, maybe you don't want it to grow as much as I do, but I want us to, we, there's, there's a whole community, thousands and thousands of people in the Clear Lake community that don't know anything about the reality of God or the power of the Holy Ghost to transform their life. I'd like to see a few more of them come into this place and find what God can really do in their life before the rapture of the church. I don't know of anyone that doesn't want that. Now you may, but I don't, I don't know anybody that doesn't want to experience increase. Anybody here that's not interested in that? You don't care if God ever makes a better day for you or better provide, provide something. You don't, you don't care if you enjoy God's favor in the future or not. I think we all, we all have that same desire. I don't think there's anybody that doesn't care if their dreams come to fruition. Amen. But I've got news for you. News alert. Put your antenna up. Turn your hearing up. I have news for you. Desire is not what separates us. Because I've just proved to you, and you've acknowledged, that we really basically want all, we want the same thing. Then why, when we look around in life, does it seem that some people are more favored than others. We say, well, it's because they're more gifted than I am, or they have, they, they've got more advantages than I do, or, or maybe they've been in a better home life, or they've got a better marriage than I have, or they've got better kids than I have, or they got a better boss, or they live in a better house. Anybody can be happy when you live in that kind of house. Why don't you tell that to Rockefeller? That committed suicide, one of the wealthiest men in the world during the depression. There were seven of the richest men in the United States that committed suicide during the depression. So, it's not about what I desire. My yearnings, my cravings, my wantings, my longings, that's not what separates us from a harvest. That's not what keeps me from my dreams being fulfilled. That is not what keeps me from my hopes coming to pass. Far too many of us are living with the lottery mentality. And it's come to the forefront again recently because... It is at the point of breaking an all-time new record. Now, I read the other day that the all-time record for the lottery was $1.6 billion, and somebody won that. They just didn't tell you that there were about 15 jillion people that didn't win. That spent their last two dollars or some of, I've watched people borrow money from somebody else outside the gas station and then go in the gas station and buy lottery tickets. 
Because we live with this grand expectation of a big payday. (laughs) One of these days, my ship's going to come in. I'm going to wake up and all of the answers are going to be there and everything's going to be taken care of and resolved. And one move, one move, just one lucky set of numbers is going to change my life forever. We say, if I just wait, if I just wait, my time will come. I want you to keep that statement in your mind because I'm going to come back to it in a minute. If I just wait, my time will come. If I just wait, my opportunity will arise. Now, we fail to understand the true source of such things. And if I could help anybody in this building with what I want to talk to you about today, I I believe it would transform your lives. I want you to go back with me to Galatians chapter 6. I was reading this passage over the last couple of weeks. And I was captivated by the statements that Paul made in these verses. And in this one particular verse, in verse number 9. And I... I began to look at it deeper and deeper and in prayer and thinking about it. And I went through and read, I must have read at least 18 different translations of the, of the scripture. And every one of them magnified what I was already sensing in my spirit that there is this anticipation that comes to the heart of people when it comes to their dreams and their visions and their hopes and their aspiration. And and yet many times those dreams are never fulfilled because somewhere along the line we get tired. We get weary with doing whatever we're doing and we get Tired of the monotony of doing the same thing day after day after day. And so when I began to look at that, I, I noticed something particular about what Paul said. Now, he begins the chapter by, by stating some things that were important. He, he's wrapping up the letter to the Galatians and and, and and as his style is, he tries to throw into this last chapter some last key thoughts and statements concerning life and faith. And so you start at verse number one, and he he talks about sharing, uh, or he talks about how to deal with fallen comrades, or how to deal with people that are overtaken in faults. And then he talks about uh, how uh, we 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 share life's burdens and how careful we ought to be in view of ourselves that we not think of ourselves more highly than we ought and and then that we we need to bear our own load he he makes a statement that seemed to contradict uh, what he had said in verse number two, bear you one another's burdens in the next verse. He says, bear your own burden. And 
And you think, God, what do you mean? Do I bear other people's burdens or I just take care of my own? And the truth is he was talking about two different, completely different things. Load that's used there means your personal responsibilities. You can't share those with somebody else. You got to carry that yourself. That, that's, that, that's your lot in life. And, and it's not always fair. It's not always equal. But when it comes to the concerns of life, the things that, that, that press us and, and bring fear and doubt, we should share. We can, we, we should learn how to carry each other's burden. That means we pray with one another about those needs. And then he said, you need to be careful how you view yourself and, 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 and mindful to share with those who help you and be careful what you sow. Be careful because whatever you sow, you reap. And then he comes to verse number nine. And the word and begins the, the, the sentence and the statement and it's a word of connection. It's like he's wrapping all of this stuff up and he's bringing it all to a conclusion. And he said, and by the way, let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. Now, go with me. Just humor me for a few minutes and let me just take it section by section. And, and there's an emphasis here. There's. There's something you need to pay attention to. It's that last statement the doctor gives you before you walk out of the office. And if you ignore that, you've wasted everything else he said. Because he's tying everything together. And let us not. The word in the Greek indicates a negative. And it simply means do not allow this to happen. Do not allow this to come to pass. Be careful of what I am about to tell you. Do not let this happen. Be weary. Don't let that happen to you. And, and in the Greek, weary means to lose heart or to get tired or to become discouraged or lose our direction or our sense of purpose. He's so, so he said, don't let this happen to you. Don't let, so obviously with him saying, don't let it happen means that there is a great possibility that it could happen. Because why would he waste the time telling them not to do something if there wasn't the potential of there being a problem in them doing that? So let not yourself be weary in well doing, doing good, living by faith, walking with God, trusting the Lord, believing God, taking his word, living by that word. That's the well doing that he's talking about. Taking that word and embracing it and saying, God, I believe those are my promises. I, I believe those belong to my generation. I believe they belong to my family. They belong to my home. They belong in my situation. Be not weary in well doing. And then this is the phrase that caught me. For in due season, due season, two words, do, idios, in the Greek, 
It means one's own. Not a season. That would be like fall or winter or summer or spring. Everybody gets to enjoy that. But my, mine, what belongs to me, he identifies a time that God has set for me, for my life, for my benefit, for my blessing. Do my time, what belongs to me and what pertains to me. And the word season comes from the word karios, which means opportunity. So, putting that in modern terminology, Paul was simply saying to you that we need to not be weary in well-doing, for in our season. That's, that ought to be, that, uh, that ought to wake some of you up. And, and make you understand God evidently does know where you are. He evidently does know the mess that you're in right now. He evidently knows those things that you've been crying for secretly. He knows your downsetting and your uprising. And so in God's great plan, he puts together your season. Your opportunity, your time, your time to be blessed, your time to increase, your time to reap the harvest, your time to enjoy all of the benefits of what he has promised in his word that he is able to give to his people. And he did it just for you. You guys, I'm not trying to embarrass you, but he did it for you. And he did it for you. And he didn't skip him and go to him. He did it for you and you and you and you and you and you and you. He's got your season already marked out. He's already got your opportunity in the works. We're not playing the lottery with God. And we just come to church and we just hope we got the right numbers. And bingo, I get blessed tonight. I'm saying more in the Holy Ghost right now than some of you even understand. Your time, what belongs to you. Now, let me ask you a question. Don't you want what belongs to you? I mean, aren't you interested in what God has prepared? tailor-made with you in mind? Knowing my idiosyncrasies, knowing my quirks, knowing my shortcomings, knowing all of the flaws in me, and yet He loved me enough to design a season for me. He loved me enough 
to put together an opportunity for me. He loved me enough that he was not going to leave me without a hope that he has promised me. I've got you on my mind. You're not just a large number of people that I look at and say, oh, how good it looks to oh to see my church. He said, no, it's so good to see you, Brother Peden. It's so good to see you, Brother Wyndham. It's so good. Did you know that I have something purpose for you? Don't you want what God has for you? Don't you want to claim it? Wouldn't you want to experience it? I mean, he's talking about harvest. He's talking about increase. He's talking about blessings. You want to believe? Anybody? Are you afraid? (laughs) There's no trick questions here, folks. My time. So he said, don't, don't let yourself get tired, weary, run down, wore out before your season gets here. Amen. Don't let that happen. Don't, don't let life so frustrate you that you get so distracted that you waste all of your time and energy on things that do not matter. Because he says, if you won't give up, if you won't let go, you shall reap. The word shall in Old Testament and New Testament is one of the most definitive words in Hebrew and Greek. It means without a doubt, with no shadow attached to it, with no question associated with it, it is certain as the sun's going to come up in the east in the morning and it's going to set in the west and as sure as the moon is going to shine tonight and the stars are going to twinkle, God said, if you'll do what I'm telling you to do, your season's coming. Your breakthrough's coming. Your miracle's coming. Your answer to prayer is coming. You know what? Most of us do what we're doing right now. We shout about this. And please don't misunderstand me. I'm not ridiculing you for responding. I'm saying typically, that's where we stop. But when I was reading, the Lord wouldn't let me stop there. He took me to the next verse. When I began to read the next verse, I understood the first verse. Because I want to know what the key to my season is. I want to know what the secret to that time that God has prepared. Those things that I can't even put my mind around that God has prepared. I want that in my life. And I want to know what it is that's going to release that in my life. And what is going to unleash those things into my future. And this is what he said. As we have therefore. Remember that word therefore? I've told you, if you ever read that in the Bible, you need to stop and find out what it's there for. It always refers back to something previously stated. So, 
in light of what I've just said about your season. And understand that I have already put together your season. It's got your name on it. You ever been at Christmas time and somebody forget to put a name on a present? We're trying to figure, who's this belong to? God's not like that. He stamps a name on it. Mark Anthony Hughes, born 11-12-1959, Wichita Falls, Texas, in Wichita General Hospital, in Wichita County, County of the State of Texas. This is designed for him. This is what I did for him. Man, you know what? Some of us, we can't imagine God being that kind to us. We feel like we don't deserve that. Man, I, I've been such a bad person. I'm even mean now. I don't know why God would want to bless me. I don't either, but he does. <laughs> you say, well, I haven't even been faithful to him. Why would God want to be faithful to me? Because that's what he is. He is faithful. <laughs> you say, but I haven't always loved him. But that doesn't matter. He's always loved you. Always. And so here's the revelation that God gave me. The key to the harvest that I want. A better marriage. A better home. A better future. A better job, greater miracles, greater manifestation of the Spirit. The things that I dream of coming to pass. The things, Brother Cox, that you saw concerning this property of a building being so packed that you couldn't get another person inside. And yet everywhere you looked outside the building, people were coming by foot from every direction. That's what God painted. That's what God portrayed for the future. And he said, it's got your name on it. It's got Greater Life Church's name on it. But here's some, here, here's what you gotta get. The fulfillment of your desire, the fulfillment of your dreams is not found in just desiring it, but in doing something about it. As we have therefore opportunity. There is that word, Kairos again. Opportunity. Paul just used it in the previous verse when he talked in relationship to your season. That word season means opportunity. So he takes that same word which speaks of your future. 
and he connects it to your present. And he said this, that the key to your future is wrapped up in what you do with your present. It didn't have anything to do with all the new revelations we get. And I love revelations. It has to do with what I take that God has given me on a daily basis that looks so simple and so uninspiring. And yet I do it with all of my might. I do it with everything within me because my future is tied to my present and what I'm praying for and what I want so desperately for God to do in my marriage or in my home or in my life personally is connected right now to what I'm doing with what I do have. And if I squander what I do have, my due season will never come because it's connected to what's going on right now. Some of you are trying to treat God like that magic lamp and you keep coming in here and you just keep rubbing it. And then you go back out and you don't do anything different than you've been doing. You don't appreciate what God's given you. You're not thankful for where you are. You gripe about your home. You gripe about your husband. You gripe about your marriage. You gripe about your job. You gripe about your future. And then you come back to church. You, oh, Lord, you got to come through. Come on, God. And God's looking at us every day and saying, why don't you do something with what you got on Monday? Because what you do with Monday is going to determine what happens on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, what you do with God on a daily basis. The simple things in your life. Those things that are unattractive and those things that nobody wants to do. That's where... The hopes of my future. Your present opportunity is the key to your future opportunities. It's the key to your hopes, your dreams. What is in your hand right now? What's in your hand right now? What do you have at your disposal right now? Do you have a house? Well, yeah, but it's not the one I want. You have a job? Yeah, but I hate it. You got a spouse? Let's not even go there. (laughs) You got a boss? Yeah, but I despise him. What we fail to realize... is to get the boss of my dreams. I've got to learn how to handle the boss in my present. If I want God to just open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings on me, Brother Larry, that I don't even have enough room, I just wallow in it. 
then I'm going to have to learn how to celebrate the little bitty tiny things that God does for me on a daily basis. One of them is that I woke up this morning. And when I woke up, everything was still working. I still had moving body parts. And, and when I look around, I didn't see any holes in the roof. And I didn't, I, I, I may not have liked the jalopy that I drove to church, but at least I got to church. And so the secret to what we dream is connected to what we do with what we have now. And I'm going to tell you why God will not bless some people with more. Because they will not do anything with what they already have. They're hoarders. You ever been around people that just hoard things? I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. They want it. Now, please, I'm not, I'm not coming after your character today. Please don't misunderstand me. I know there's a lot of us that fit in this category. We got stuff in our house we don't even need. We hadn't even touched in 10 years, but we ain't going to get rid of it. And then we gripe about the clutter in the house. We gripe about this or that. We don't have room for that. What are we going to do with this? I don't even know why I've gotten here, but I need to stop here for a minute. <laughs> I was talking about hoarders. I was talking about people that all they are, they're just takers, 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 takers. And yet, they don't understand why in all the taking it never gets better. It never increases. I, I have more than I put my hands around, but when I look at it, it's all gone. Because it's not about getting It's about learning how to use what you have that God says is the key that unlocks the door of my future. Amen. He said, what's in your hand? Now, you have to understand the context of that question. That was to Moses. Everybody remember Moses? You know who Moses was? He was the... Boy that was born in Egypt, or or born as an Israelite, but he wound up living in Egypt under the roof of Pharaoh. And then one day he came to himself and said, I'm not an Egyptian, I'm a Jew, I'm an Israelite. And so he tries to save his people. Everything went wrong. And so he he flew to the backside of the desert and spent 40 years just wandering around in this vacant, vast, empty space. And then one day, there's a bush just started burning. And he wouldn't go out. And the Bible says that he turned aside to see. There was some, it's curious. I mean, who wouldn't want to go see what was going on with the burning bush? I mean, some of you see a red light flashing down the highway. You'll make a U-turn and jeopardize 15 other people behind you just to go back and find, what's that flashing light about? And when God got him where he wanted him, he started talking to him. Moses, I put you in the right place. You're going to deliver my people. Who, me? Me? And go read the third chapter of Exodus again. He starts arguing with God. Every time God makes a point, Moses has a, 
an excuse for it not being fulfilled, for it not coming to pass. I, I, I've got them written down. I, I just so you won't have to go. He, he, here's what he said: Who am I? Somebody say, Who am I? What shall I say? I mean, I'm not. I'm not smart enough to know how to to to, to be a deliverer. But behold, they will not believe me. And then God asked one thing. What is in thine hand? And I love how the scripture says it. A rod. Not a bejeweled and sparkling awe-inspiring, blinding, intricately made, hand-carved. Just a rod. A shepherd's staff. Just a little old crooked stick that they used, that they found, that had been dropped by a tree or the wind had blown off little crook in it where they could reach down when they needed to and pull sheep out of a crevice. Nothing spectacular about that. He said, all right, throw it down. Some of you are trying to figure out how to make that serpent appear when really, and I don't mean a serpent, you're trying to figure out a way to make that miracle happen. And all God's wanting you to do is just let go of what you have. I'll take care of making it happen. Just use what you have in your hand. Just just put the staff down. Boom. This wiggling snake. And then God said, and I love God's humor. Take it up. By the tail. (laughs) I love you, God. I hate snakes anyway. (laughs) But he knew how fearful that snake was. And so he gave him a way to even get it back in his grasp. It turned right back into a rod. He said, now, you're going to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And what you have in your hand is going to be sufficient that when you come to the barrier of a Red Sea, you're just going to lift that rod and that water's going to part. It's going to be sufficient that you come to a time in the desert when people are griping and murmuring and complaining. All you got to do is just smite that rock and water's going to come gushing out of that rock. And we think, well, I'm not talented enough. Well, God, I've got such, I've got such a bad history. I have such a bad track record. I've not been real good about living for God. I've not been real good about being faithful. I, I've messed up too many times. I just, I mean, you just have to know there's some things you don't even know. Hey, I got news for you. I don't have to know. God knows. Bingo. He knows. 
knows. And yet in spite of what he knows about me, he knows more about himself. And that is that his love will not fail. His compassions will not fail. His faithfulness will not fail. They're new every morning. I'm so thankful God doesn't operate in my life based on what I'm capable of doing. I may only have a little shepherd's staff, a little crooked stick that I got out of the desert. But as far as God's concerned, if I learn how to use what I have right now, as crooked as it may be, as uh, as unappealing as it may be, as uh, as as unattractive as it may be, if I will just use what I have right now. God will use it to bring into my life the future that I desire. Everything that He had planned out there. Amen. Your due season. Say this with me. My due season is dependent on this season that I'm living in. My appointed time my designated blessings that have my name and my name only on them, that position that God has already set aside for me to occupy, that place that God has already made for me, is dependent on this moment right now. It's dependent on what I do on a Sunday morning. When first of all, I didn't even want to get out of bed. And then when I did get out of bed, I didn't want to come to church. Y'all think you're the only one that ever feels that. I don't want to have to deal with people. I don't want to have to answer questions. I don't want to have to pace. I don't like people looking at me. I got news for you. They're probably not looking at you anyway, but I didn't know if you knew that yet. But I did it anyway. I got dressed. I combed my hair the best I could. Amen. I put on the best clothes I could put on, not because I was necessarily feeling so bright, but... I just, I wanted to take advantage of my opportunity. Because I learned a long time ago, people come along in life and they see where you are right now and they think, oh man, you're so lucky. You're so lucky. You got so much. You, you don't have any pressures. You don't have any problems like I do. If you, listen, I got news for you. Anybody that's in a better place today is there because yesterday they used what they had at their disposal and they didn't despise the day of small things and they didn't say, well, this doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter if I'm faithful to church. It doesn't matter if I worship God or not. It doesn't matter if I get into this or not. It doesn't matter if I even respond to the preaching or not. Yet God tied a principle to my future that's connected to my present. And we fail to realize that the key to what I want 
is wrapped up in what I possess right now. You say, that can't be. Yeah, it can be. No. <laughs> I'm smarter than that. I mean, I, I may have gone to the third grade, but I'm smarter than that. You know what? I don't care if you have a Ph.D. or an M.D.D. or whatever else kind of. I'm not knocking that. I applaud anybody that goes to college and further. I, I want you to do that. But let me tell you something. That's not what makes me a better man or a better person. It's what I do with the daily opportunities that God puts in my lap. When I get up in the morning and I'm frustrated, and I'm going to tell you what the Holy Ghost spoke to me this morning, that the devil is frustrating some of you right now with your present situation. He is frustrating you right now with the present state of things in your life. You're mad and you don't mind showing it. You're mad and you don't mind letting the world know about it. You're upset, and if anybody wants to know, bless God, I'll give them a little doctrine. And we don't understand that the reason we're frustrated is not because of the person sitting in front of us or beside us or behind us. The reason that I am frustrated is because I'm not doing all I can with what I have. At least I'm honest enough to admit that this morning. I hope you are too. That's what I've been confessing to the Lord lately. God, I'm not doing everything I can do with what you've given me. I want more. I want this church. I want this future. I want the blessings that you have promised us. And God reminded me, if you want that, then you need to do a better job with what you have right now. You need to get up in the morning and open your eyes and say, thank you, God. I've got this day. Thank you, God. I've got this opportunity. Thank you, God. I have this staff. I thank you, God, that I have this sack lunch. Come on, stand to your feet. I'm I'm not through, but I probably need to shut up. Yeah, I do. I just want to... There's some of us griping about our sack lunch. I'm tired of eating bologna. I'm tired of living out of a paper bag. And so we take it out on our spouse. I know what I'm talking about right now. We take it out on God. God, I deserve better than this. I don't like this sack lunch. A few, few fish and a little bit of bread. Man. 
That doesn't sound very appealing to me for lunch. But I'm so glad that somebody had something to offer him that day. Disciples said, we don't, there's no way we can feed all these people. He said, see what you have. What do you have? I'm glad somebody kept looking long enough that they found that one sack lunch. And they said, Lord, this is, this is, this is all I found. And somebody popped up and said, and what's that among so many? Have you ever gotten it? Have I ever gotten it? That God's not intimidated by numbers? He's not intimidated by the odds? He's not intimidated by what the doctor says. He's not intimidated by what lawyers say. He's not intimidated by what the government declares. He said, That's, just, just give it to me. He took what they had in their hands and When they started using what they had in their hands, it started multiplying. Oh, I can't, I can't do that. I, I don't have enough as it is. You don't have enough not to. If you only have a little bit of faith, you better use that little bit of faith that you have because the devil is after that little bit of faith that you have and he's after that so he can frustrate you to the point that you do what Paul said, you give up. And you lose heart. And you say, no, God, I, I, I can't, I can't have that. I can't enjoy that. I don't want you looking around at anybody else right now, but this church, it's time for us to take inventory of what we each individually, personally have in our life. And we need to make a covenant in this place today. We need to make a an agreement with God today. God, I am going to take what you have given me. If it's four hours a day, I'm going to take four hours a day. If it's a different job, I'm going to take, if it's not what I want, I'm going to take what I've got until I can get what I need. But I'm not going to sit around griping and complaining and whining because my marriage isn't better or my home's not better or my future doesn't look any brighter and I'm not doing anything thing with what I've got in my possession right now. Some of you said, I don't have enough to give. You don't have enough not to give. That's why I've always made it a habit. And sometimes I'm embarrassed because I don't always bring all the money to church that I need to bring. But I've made it a habit. Whatever in my pocket is going in that offering. I am not going to let what's going on, my present circumstances. I may need a thousand dollars today, but if I've got five hundred dollars in my pocket, that five hundred dollars is not going to be saved. I'm going to put it in the hands of God and say, God, I don't know how that's going to be met. That's not unwise stewardship. That's it's just putting a trust in where it belongs. It's just believing that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. So look around in your life right now and start counting your blessings. Do you have food? 
does you and your husband have a job? Or if there's only one, is it a job? Do you have a car to drive? Do you have health? Well, yeah, but it's not. It's not what I want it to be. Neither is mine. But I'm thankful I have what I have. And God said, if you'll just start working with what you've got right now, what, what's, do good. Do good right now. This opportunity. Do good wherever you can. Do good to those that are around you, especially the household of faith. Make sure you're, you're doing something now with what you've got. Because that's the key to what you want. Lift your voice with me right now, Holy Ghost. I need you to help me today. I need you to to, to redo my mind and my spirit. I need you to revive me. I need you to help me understand that you've got a future plan for me that's so bright and so glorious I cannot even comprehend what all you have prepared in that future. And I'm not going to sit around waiting on that moment to come. I'm going to enjoy what you've given me right now. I'm going to use what I have at my disposal right now. I'm going to pray with weak faith. I'm going to worship with weak faith. I'm going to sing with weak faith. I'm going to stand in your presence, crippled as I am, but worshiping you and thanking you and magnifying you. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes.